So I want to start with a question for you. Just to see where you resonate with these two words that I'm going to use. And if you have a preference, so just notice your responses. The question is, rather odd, we might say, do you prefer wisdom or kindness? <laughs> do you have an inclination of where you, where you light up a little bit more? in one than the other as concepts. And I want to offer the, start with the premise that the Buddha taught two methods for the attainment of freedom and awakening. He taught satipatthana, establishing mindfulness as a direct path, and metabhavana, opening to all in boundless friendship opening to all things or beings in boundless friendship. The outcome is the same. Right, mindfulness uh, is boundless friendliness and boundless friendliness as right mindfulness. Are you happy about that? How's the quality of friendliness in your own practice right now? Because when we talk about boundless friendliness for all things, we don't just mean all things out there. One of the things wisdom teaches is that distinction of inner and outer is a mind-made story. We see the emptiness of that at a certain point in our practice, and we need to keep seeing it again and again. It's also all things that arise in my location while I'm on my retreat. How am I attending with my wisdom practice, the insight, the, the precise, clear seeing of what arises? And what is the quality of friendly, friendliness there, friendship there? The word in Pali of metta, which you all know, has the root, it's, the root of the word is mid, which um, has the connotation in its uh, root of something that grows fat. The heart that grows plump and fat, plumping out to include more and more of what had been exiled, from the heart, what had not been able, we had not been able to resonate with, that we had cast out, that was too hard to bear, too much to feel, or too magnificent to tolerate. The heart of kindness, and you don't have to be doing formal meta practice for this, you might be, I think some of you are, but it's the quality that can infuse our insight practice. Really, they're not, you know, if, if there's no friendliness in our practice, we dry up and wither after a couple of weeks. Right. It's a kind of juice or the lifeblood, the juiciness in our practice. The heart of metta is 
considered uncramped. It is the, the heart-mind that has become uncramped. And it is radiant because the clouds are no longer obscuring the sun that is at the center of us, we could say, in this poetic metaphor. You can think of it like, I sometimes experience it like a balloon, you know, when an old balloon that's been blown up and then it's shrunk back down again and gotten flat and sticky. And then when you blow into it again, it kind of goes, you know, as it kind of, as you blow the air back in, these pockets that have gotten all dried out and stuck and... I mean, if you imagine being the balloon, it looks kind of painful, doesn't it? That kind of blowing back, the life blowing back into the cramped heart so that those pockets can open up, be revealed in our practice of wisdom and compassion, start to be allowed and tolerated, to be resonated with, to be perceived and understood in their nature, which, yes, we know from our insight, is not permanent, it's not me in any ultimate way. They are arising in order to be liberated, freed up so that the heart can find its place at home, which is uncramped, unfettered, unbound, plump, expansive, and according to the Buddha, is without limit. This heart of ours is something that can... can... Do more than we know. So when I use the word heart, it's very nice in the Pali language because chitta, I think I spoke about it on the first night, chitta is what we're talking about. It's translated as mind or heart, heart-mind. It's the whole of the resonant, um, sensitive, intelligent uh, sensitivity that we experience when we experience a sound arise or a thought arise. Something, the chitta responds. There is a resonance there. The chitta, the heart-mind, can be, is programmed. There are certain programs running through this system. Some of them are useful, like you know the language program, so we know what language to speak. We don't have to meet it fresh every morning. But a lot of the programs are old, old stories, old resonances, old ways of that chitta being conditioned. And as we know, practice is pointing us to that which is not conditioned. In the heart of metta, the idea of self and other is seen as empty what occurs out there or in here belongs to the same kind. The kindness, in a sense, is premised on the fact that we know deeply, intimately, through the investigation of our own material, that we are the same kind as that one, as that one, as that one, as that one, even those kinds that we didn't think we were anything like. You know, the nasty kind or the fundamentalist kind or the this kind or that kind, if we sit long enough with our own heart, we will see that all that kept those separate from us being the separate sense of self, being discriminated out, I'm not that, 
not in a wise way, but in a way that creates separating shells and boundaries in our world. That that too is seen as simply a limit so far to the plumped out heart. That's all. There's nothing real in it. We are the kind that is sensitive, that feels, that wants to be happy, that wants to be free, that wants to know the unhindered heart, that we're called to that because somehow we know that's our... We may not know completely or we may not all have complete faith that it's our birth home, it's our home, but something draws us to practice. Something whispers to know what we are that is unclouded by the shells of conditioning. We see that the wrappings of other souls, other beings, other things are simply wrappings. That we get caught by the appearance or who we think they are. And instead, as the heart rests more in her vastness, we see none other than the incredible diversity of how this life keeps being breathed up in each other. One of the words in the tradition, anukampa, which means... Uh, it's one of the family of the words of compassion and it means to resonate along with, to pulsate along with life. To pulsate along with more and more and more of the diversity of what arises here on this location and around us in this so-called big location. So what do you think about resonating? Anukampa is pulsating. It's the fact that this chitta is something that is resonant, um, impactable. It vibrates. Resonance literally means something that vibrates along the frequency with something else. I'm sure the technical ones among you could do a better definition. But to resonate is to feel with to pulsate along with. It's natural for us. And if we want to know freedom, one of the ways that could be talked about is that we've, we rest back into the, the full resonance with all things. The full resonance, the unblocked, unhindered resonance with all things. You know, in Dogen, the Zen master describes awakening as to be intimate with all things. We study the Buddha way, we study the self, yes, we study the way where it gets all tight and conditioned. And To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be intimate with all things, to pulsate along with the totality. This is much more basic and restful than our att- 
attempts to keep separating ourselves out as a way of trying to find home, right? Something to lean on called this separate little one that's sitting on, on this seat. And the heart, in the heart's language, sometimes different kind of language than the wisdom language we can say, but it's the same, it's the same script, it's the same play. In the heart's language, the heart longs to return to this uncramped home. But love, this is what love is, this uncramped heart. We're mixed. We can be mixed around that. We might think we love it and long for it and, yes, please, I want that. It is indeed, we could say, the emissary of the deathless. The love is what calls us, our love of truth, our love of freedom, our love of going deeper, our love of the mystery, our love of just wanting to find out, our love in possibility. But it's not always easy to tolerate. And this love, again, it's not something outside of us. This love is something that is much closer to us than all the separating stories that we have. It's mixed because in the presence of this love, as it wants to arise more and more in our practice, we can be ambivalent at times. Because it does shake and dissolve and melt some of the ideas about ourself that we have adhered to, we've literally glued ourselves to, or we, in fact we're glued by. We're glued by these ideas of ourselves that I'm like this and I'm not like that and I should be one of those and not one of those. And, and they, they can be very gross and as we go through practice those can be more and more subtle. So let's look. A, I'd like to look a little bit about at resonance. What we resonate resonate with, um, and we could see that the heart, this intelligence, is always wants to resonate with something. We're always looking for something to resonate with, whether it's the silence or someone who loves us. Uh, the heart wants to resonate right through to the deepest, deepest, subtle silence. The heart is a resonant organ, resonating even with space and beyond. So if I take it back to the sitting and walking practice, I spoke on the first day about breathing in and breathing out. The back to the basic. Can think If you think of yourself as that balloon, it's quite a profound practice, actually, if we don't kind of force the air through the balloon, but we follow the intelligence of how, how it is the chitta wants to free up. We're respectful as we listen to our own, our own curriculum, at the places where we're tight, we're angry, we're sad, we're bleak, we're marvelous, we're noble, we're radiant, we're shiny. As we breathe in and breathe out, the body starts to become a little bit more alive. It's more here. And it open up, it, the body opens up and resonates. Sometimes you can feel that with the body. We, the body becomes more and more of an instrument that can resonate with the inner and outer life.
the ways that we normally seek for resonance are through sense contact. Well, what does that mean? That means that we often go out, the mind, the chitta often goes out to find something to resonate with and pull it back. So, for example, in an untrained mind, which it is very often, right, when we see that, we'll go out to find something that will resonate here that feels good. Whether it's, and that's not bad, it's not unethical, but I'll, we'll see what the, the um, shortcoming of that is. So we might go out to um, a piece of music, something nice to eat, a beautiful day, we might go stand in the sun. Nothing wrong with that. And what we find then, that the chitta, the heart-mind, can start to resonate. Ah, yes, that feels good. Or a favorite one of mine is to reach out to stroke my soft black cat. Right? We we reach out, make the gesture, (coughs) very often searching for something soft and smooth. In this case with the cat, sometimes we're searching for something loud and raucous to get us going or... um, whatever it might be, pleasant. Those things that you normally resonate with, they're not here, most of them. The family, the friends, the pets, the things in your fridge, the things on telly. Sometimes we have the favorite television series because the characters on there, they become our friends. <laughs> right? There's something to resonate with here because otherwise we fear feeling bleak or barren. What's going to be there if I'm not feeding the chitta something to resonate with? And that's the difficult transition for many of us as we come on retreat. It can be a relief that there are less things to resonate with. But when there aren't so many of the normal, what are we left with? We're left with the chitta has to start resonating with itself. The chitta has to start resonating with itself. And the reason we do that, because yes, we're weaning ourselves off the habitual way we go out to things for the chitta to lean on, to feel good, to feel loved, to feel okay, to feel like I'm even here. Do you ever notice that even here? Sometimes we don't even know if anyone's confirming our existence. Haven't any of you missed that at any times? Or to be told we're lovable? Maybe nobody tells us that out there either, but we feel the missing of it here. And then we can romanticize about all those things we left out there. That that would be so nice, wouldn't it? A friend the other day, she said her partner had gone away somewhere. I can't remember exactly where. She said, oh, we get on so well when he's not here. (laughs) You know, on the phone calls or whatever it is. Right? It's, it's different. And of course there are those very real things in our life that can be beautiful and nourishing. The Buddha is not a, a, a party spoiler. Well, actually, he's a bit of a party spoiler. but he's not, he's not a love spoiler. He's not a real love spoiler. Right? So we're left with the chitta to resonate with itself. And what do we find? We find that the habit to seek for something to resonate with, to tell me I'm okay, to feel that I'm here, to bring me joy, to feed me. We'll start looking for those here, but they're just not around so much, are they? 
look at the notice board, hope there's something juicy, exciting, whatever. Hope there's a note for me, or hope there isn't a note for me, because that sets an upper, another kind of resonance. And people do all kinds of things on retreat to try and find something to resonate with. Again, it's not wrong, but we want to see it. We want to kind of out ourselves. And then we can hold it in love. Then we can hold it with, that we're all in this together, actually. It's so normal. It's so normal. Where do you go if you do? I mean, sometimes when we're deep in practice, when we're really deep in it and we're resonating with the silence and the space and the subtlety, and the, we're not so much seeking that external. Right? And we, that's probably what calls us all on some level. And we can go deeper with that. We resonate with that. And it's beautiful, and that's the path of going, of going deeper. But in the moments when it's not like that, what happens? So you might, I mean, I'll just tell a story, I think, because it just tells us how, you know, the, the humanness of it. But on a long retreat, uh, a three-month retreat, I was on... I didn't know I was lonely. Often we don't know those things because we're so used to going out to do the thing, whatever it is, have the beer or a piece of cake or ring someone up. And I found myself lurking in the toilet in this retreat centre. It wasn't this one. Um, it sounds a bit strange, doesn't it, lurking in the toilet? But I found myself kind of close up to the wall where the sink was. I'd wash my hands and then... And I didn't actually know what I was doing until a couple of days in, I was noticing that in the room next to me there was my partner, who wasn't on retreat, who was the resident teacher at that centre at the time, uh, having interviews with someone. And I couldn't hear the content particularly, but I could hear the, hmm, this, the, that rise and fall of his voice. But I didn't know I was even doing it. It was a couple of seconds, a flash of... What's going on here? Where am I going for refuge? It's not wrong. It's not unethical. It's very human. But he's not here. <laughs> and I'm on retreat. What's happening? Ah, okay. The heart's going out because something's arising here and now that is hard to bear. Something is arising. The chitta is resonating with itself. And what is coming up, I'm not able yet to breathe into. I'm not able yet to let the body breathe with and resonate with. I immediately bounce off it and seek for something. What was it? It was a kind of lonely, bleak mind state. That's all. I mean, on one level that's all, but those things are so conditioning for us. So in our practice, one of the territories that we deal with is the old resonances of chitta, the old programming it's not a mistake when it arises it is arising in order to be resonated with, seen clearly and liberated no small task no small task what are those old resonances it might be the hurt, the rage, the grief the disappointment the barrenness, the sadness, the... You could probably call out some more. The desperation, the hungriness of the heart, 
the uh, fear, the pulling away of the heart of like, oh, I don't want to quite be here in this world. <coughs> the old programs start to come to the surface. This is not a mistake. How we handle them is the territory of freedom. But very often we're sucked in and pulled in immediately and we think it's who we are. We think it's the truth. We base uh, the thoughts and the stories then on what is arising now. and haven't yet seen this too is impermanent. This too is not me, not mine. This too has come together due to conditions, has come to the surface and is arising in order to be liberated. This takes real practice courage, precision, kindness to start to see this territory. Otherwise, or not otherwise, um, because our normal way is to bounce off it and seek for refuge somewhere else. Now sometimes that's appropriate. Sometimes that's appropriate if what is arising is too painful to resonate with too painful to breathe along and pulsate along with the anukampa. Right? We'll know that if we can breathe with it or not. Right? If we can breathe with the resonance, right? the tightness, the, the rage, the hurt, the grief, the sorrow, the pain, the bleakness, the disappointment, the desperation, if we can breathe with it, It's like the balloon is getting some life back in it. It can hurt. But this is the kind of pain that leads to the end of pain. If we cannot breathe with it, if we notice that we're tightening and buckling down and straining and stressing and trying to breathe with it, but tightening up more and more and more, it may not be helpful in that moment, or we're just fading out more and more and more. It may not be helpful in that moment to try to stay with it. It might be helpful to go for a walk, to find something to read, to listen to a talk, to hug one of the trees, to plant your feet in the earth, whatever it is that helps you get resourced and that you can come back. Sometimes these old resonances have a lot of charge. The characteristic of these old programs is either that they're overcharged or kind of undercharged. They lack energy. We want to fade out, disappear, back off. Sometimes we can even, I'm sure I've sat in many hours on meditation cushion, here's a confession, kind of resonating with states that are just kind of disappeared from the world, not not through any profound subtlety, that's something else, but just a pulling back, not quite wanting to engage with the raw, unvarnished living present. Anyone know that feeling? <laughs> Don't always want to engage. And engage doesn't always mean, you know, uh, high level activity. Engage can be very subtle.
what makes it difficult with them, and I'm at first talking about the difficult resonances, right? Get to the get to the good bit in a minute. <laughs> Actually, you know, there really is no good bit. Even the beautiful resonances which also arise when we're doing this work, they also come to the surface. The gratitude, the no, the, the aspiration, the courage, the, the the kindness, the spaciousness, the um, willingness, they also arise. But you know, I found another beautiful sutta yesterday where someone's saying to the Buddha something about awakening and um, uh, and the Buddha basically says, yes, the skillful awakened one knows the difference between skillful resonances and unskillful resonances. Right? So it's not that they don't necessarily... The, the, the jury's out as, as to whether the unskillful resonances arise at all in the awakened mind, but the point actually is how it's seen if we're resting back into that which knows, that which hears, that which perceives, that which is awake and aware to what arises and passes through the chitta, that is the difference between freedom and not freedom. So whether it's our nobility, our courage, our aspiration, our kindness, whether it's our hurt, grief, disappointment or pain, yes, there's a difference. One is more expanded and leads onward. We know it's a, that gratitude is a skillful resonance. It allows the heart to plump out more. It connects us more deeply with what we are. And we know on one level that anger and hatred is not a skillful resonance. If we follow it and believe it and and, uh, become it, it doesn't lead in a good direction. We know that. But that's different from learning how to resonate with the old resonances that come up here and now in this timeless seat to be held once with gentleness, firmness and clear seeing. So what makes the, the difficult resonances hard to bear is because we think they are us. So it makes them hard to work with because we think they are me and mine. And this has to do with resonance. The chitta is full of potentiality. Anything can arise in this heart-mind. But how come we keep going back to the same resonances? Whatever it is for you, in the difficult resonances, what might that be, whether it's the bleakness, the disappointment, the rage, the desperation? Because when that arises, or it, it's a, we'll go further with how that arises as the retreat goes on. And some of you probably are very aware of that. There isn't something that arises independent of how we're attending to it. But our attention and the arising of that resonance come, and it resonates... Let's say it's hurt. It resonates and it chimes. Something that resonates, it like a gong goes. And it's like, yep, it's familiar. The music plays and it's really familiar. We're, we're playing ourselves maybe the old story or a new version of it. And in the body, it resonates in a really familiar way, like we're downcast or we're up in arms or we're whatever it is. And the quality of the chitta will be very familiar. It chimes almost with the headline, me. This is me. And we don't quite see that. We just almost think it's a base 
base camp of who I am. It's probably it now, right? Sorrow's arisen, that's it now. You know, that probably is my true nature. You know, they say it's something vast and magnificent or whatever, but actually this one, this is, this is it. This feels so familiar. So as our practice deepens, well, part of our work is to not be fooled. What we're fooled by and we know from our insight practice is to take that which is impermanent as being permanent. That which is not self, we take as self. They're two of the fundamental misperceptions and we relate in that way when we're not seeing clearly. It chimes and feels so ordinary. Of course I don't like such and such. I remember um, sitting on... Actually, I was uh, not sitting in retreat, but one of the teachers, I was on staff, one of the teachers asked me to go in in the evening in this particular three-month retreat they chant in the evening and um, uh, this teacher knew that I could do that I could offer that and little did the teacher know that I hated chanting or anything that looked religious right so they asked me to go in and I sat at the front tensing tightening in pain knowing that I was asked to do this and that I would do it but that old resonance of this is stupid, I don't want to be someone... Whatever it was for me, you know, the whole stories we tell ourselves. In this case, it was something like, only stupid people chant. (laughs) Something like, don't worry, I like chanting. Whatever was my little superior hierarchy I had going on at the time. um, Started to just dwindle and die because I let, let myself practice with it, which was to go beyond the comfort of my little comfortable sense of myself who doesn't do things like that. Only gullible people. I'm not gullible. Whatever was. Do you you have any of those kinds of stories? (laughs) Right. And the point is, actually, isn't... Well, sometimes it's what we do, but with those kinds of very uh, ordinary things, it's really what is the mind that's doing it? That's much more interesting. What is the mind that's doing whatever it is that it's doing? Chanting, mindfulness of breathing, walking outside. That's much more interesting. So how to work with, a little bit, how to work with... um, some of these old stuck resonances. So I keep using this word resonance. Um, one way is to see that in three parts. There is um, what is called, we could look at it in terms of three centers. There's the physical aspect of the old mental states. Right? Sometimes you can see it by the way you're leaning. I actually remember that night that I was a, one of the first times I sat at the front of a Dharma hall and it's, at the end of a long day of people practicing since five in the morning and at the end of the last sitting and I'd ring the bell I wasn't the teacher I was one of the staff but you could see in the people's bodies sometimes the mind right just oh 
some people by 9.30 of a day of sitting. And, and, and my partner was sitting there, and I saw him kind of slump over his legs by the end. And it's like, oh, oh. Some were still kind of bright and radiant at that point. Some looked like they'd had it, never wanted to go near a cushion again. Right? We can see that, and can we see that for ourselves as well with our own body? There's a resonance in the body. You know, the slumped over, the puffed up, the tightened up. The... There's a resonance in the chitta, so this resonant uh, intelligence, sensitivity. Again, ultimately the chitta is also empty, but it's useful to see it. I like sometimes see it like a kind of lava lamp, you know, and these different kind of lava formations are showing up in the chitta. What's it doing? What's the resonance right now? Is it clear? open, spacious? Is it hot, dense, numb, tight? What's it like in here? Check it out. Wow, it's like concrete. Wow, it's like wood. Right now I feel really wooden. Right right now it's like, wow, it's like soft, like rose petals. Wow, it even feels fragrant. Right now it's numb. I feel absolutely nothing. Nothing is resonating. I don't ever want to resonate again. Last time I resonated, it was a really bad idea. Right? Ooh. So there's the body, there's the chitta, and there's the what in the tradition is called the vajji sankara, the con- the the path, the um, the conditioner of the uh, speech, actually. The, uh, but it's the thoughts. It's not just the speech that comes out of our mouth. It's the speech that we keep telling ourselves in our head as well. That also has a resonance. We start to hear the story, the cognitive part of the pattern. Using all of this material, from that open, awake awareness, you can pick up the data. Right? You might have felt numb for a whole day. But at some point... The mindfulness kicks in and goes, oh, what's going on? Oh, well, I don't really feel like I'm here. Well, that's interesting. The mind is going, oh, I hate Guy House. I wish I was... Okay, there's the story. What's happening in the body? Well, I feel, I feel really wooden. Okay, what's happening in the chitta, in the heart mind? Oh, I don't want to go too close to that. Fear is there. Huh. There's some fear. Let me go to the library. Oh, okay, don't want to be with the fear right now. It's okay. You can go to the library. I'll come with you. You can talk to yourself sometimes. Oh. Huh. Can we start listening in to what's arising on our seat, in our location, in our cushion, to things that may not have been able to be resonated and held before. In, in our lifetime, in our ancestors' lifetime, who knows? Who knows? But these things come up for healing. And from the perspective of kindness, they come up. Can my heart widen to this? Can I include this one who's crying out right now? So it might be the, it might be the, um, this, this mind might be, oh, I can't, 
can't do it. I must be the worst one here. Probably I'm the only one who hasn't gotten any insights yet. And and I've been here two weeks, and why did I come on a solitary retreat? And at some point we listen. Oh, wow. We hear that kind of moaning, churning. Huh. We feel it in the body. We feel it in the heart. And listening deeply, we can sometimes hear. Huh. Wow, here's the one that feels that she's no good. And when we really hear, when we really hear, it's different than indulging the story. Indulging the story means we keep reflecting the same story back to ourselves. Listening sometimes might involve hearing a little bit of the monologue that's going on. And why didn't they? And he shouldn't have, and it never should have been. And oh wow, here's the one that's really hurt. Ah, huh. I hear you. When we really hear it, the charge can start to drop out of it. The space can reveal itself. We can widen and soften. And include that too. You know, we get it can be surprising what old residues there can be, old sediments there can be. You know, we may never have thought we were a fundamentalist till we heard ourselves going, and he shouldn't have done it like that, it has to be done like this. It's like, oh wow, there it is. The one who's so scared they have to hold on rigidly to how the world should be. More and more beings get included. More and more of life is not pushed out any longer from the boundless heart. We know more and more that this is something boundless. It can go wider and wider and wider. So if we can breathe with the structure then do that. Breathe with it. Feel it in the body and soften and widen with those places. Naming them, of course, many of you will have practiced naming, oh yeah, it's hurt, it's grief, it's loneliness. Don't underestimate this bit because it's like the header line of the lock, the lock of self that's in there. So we listen, we can feel, oh, here's the the desperate one. Here she is. Ah, desperation. Ah, and as we really get close, we may feel some of the pain or the emotion may be there in its kind of emptying out. Not the emptying out that has to get it all out, right? That's different. We want to feel these things closely and deeply so that the energy in them can liberate, right? It's a very subtle, subtle distinction. We're not pushing our things down in practice, nor are we trying to get them all out. Sometimes that can be helpful if it's done skillfully. But we're letting that energetic resonance be there and be felt fully so that the pathways through the heart, through the arms, through the legs, through the heart-mind into the unseen territory can become available, the pathways that we never knew were there because we've tightened and buckled the heart. 
because something was too hard to bear. We've used our mind as a defense because we couldn't yet feel the pain that was there. So whatever kinds of things, just to get to know them a little more, I, and I want to hearten the, you with one example from a teacher of mine who's a beautiful, beautiful man and practitioner of many, many years, sincere and deep and wide, I would say. And he, I, some of you have heard this story, he came to my house last year at some point and... Um, Open, I opened the front door and I said, hi, welcome, hey, how are you? And he said, oh, just noticing the... I can't remember if he used the word sankai. Because he goes, I'm just noticing the part that assumes he's not going to be welcome. Right? He, he wasn't asking me to you know, throw my arms around him or change it or try and do something. It was with that bright awake... noble, um, blessed, blessedness, the blessedness that can hear and see without being bound into. He goes, oh, here's the one that doesn't think he's going to be welcome. Right? And he says, even after many years of practice, that one, just at the beginning, of, at a threshold, so at a front door or whatever it might be, just, there it is. He says he's not believing it anymore, it's not dictating what he does or what the other one has to do to make him feel better. It's like the freedom is in the knowing, the touching, the resonating with. And he had a big radiant beam. The heart was wide enough to hold the one who doesn't feel welcome. You get the difference. Don't you know what it's like? You know the difference for yourself between seeing a program and becoming the program. So I want to kind of bring it back to here and now because all of these things marvelously only ever arise here and now. They don't arise in a minute or later when you can work on it. It's always here and now, the timeless doorway to the depth we love. Part of our practice is the clarification of the chitta, the heart-mind. How does that sound? Are you up for that part? You don't have to go looking for any of those things. Because as I said, I think earlier on, that's, that capacity of resonance can start more and more to resonate with the more boundless qualities, the kindness, the joy, the compassion, the equanimity, the spacious dimensions. That can be resonated with the silence. I bet some of you love being in here at night or in the morning or in the day, in the dark, black silence, and letting the heart resonate with that. Something in us recognizes that and that whisper of this unknown mystery that we, that we love. Right? That we love. And sometimes it's something much more gross, we would say, not in a judgmental way, but something much more with a 
frequency that's a little bit more clunky or bumpy or right sometimes it's like that sometimes it's really fine again the freedom of the chitta is not to have actually not to have a preference to be able to resonate without becoming the thing we're resonant with Kuan Yin Bodhisattva this image of uh, this awakened aspect is she who can hear the cries of the world Right, that hearing, that blessed hearing, without becoming them. She doesn't get lost in the cries. It's clear and precise what is being resonated with. And the intimacy with it is more intimate than two things coming together. It's more primary than that, more basic than that. It's at our, it's at our, our undifferentiated Bound, unbounded nature. So I wish you whatever it is you resonate with in any moment and be open to new resonances. That's also the beauty of the path. We often don't know how to recognize resonances that we're not used to. Right? Some of us might just not have a joy on our map at all. Right? And it didn't belong in our family of origin or, or it didn't belong in my life. And we actually we start to miss the little happy resonances that move through the heart. If we have a beginner's mind, we can start to hear new things as well. It's not all, it's not all the old sediment that's arising. That's part of it. That's the kind of clarifying, purifying part. But there's also these beautiful aspects of our nature. Can we have a fresh, open attitude like maybe on this month retreat I hear resonances I've never heard before will you listen will you listen out so that this instrument can play more and more of what's possible for it in the service of going deeper for the benefit of all so I wish you this blessings blessings for this incredible journey for the subtle resonances the gross ones and the beyond enjoy your practice